that's much better. So there are a couple reasons why I started with this, and one of them, one of the reasons I restarted, is because I didn't have the volume down on my own browser. <laughs> so uh, I thought, why is it doubling up? Why is it doubling up? So uh, you know. Word to the wise. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is uh, number six in this live call-in experience. Um, and as you you just heard, anything can happen because because we're live. Um, so why why am I playing this uh, this uh, somewhat orchestral swingy kind of intro? A couple reasons. Uh, number one, I've been watching a lot of Bond movies lately, kind of going back and rewatching the the Daniel Craig uh, era of Bond movies, and I love Casino Royale. It's actually one of my favorite Bond movies, full stop. And uh, so, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, of a Bond intro. The other reason is uh, something much bigger and much more exciting. And I, I have to go back a couple episodes to explain. Um, I, I tried the, the music that I've been using on uh, the show so far is all Creative Commons. Uh, I, I've tried to choose uh, licenses that are okay to share alike. There, if, if you're not familiar with Creative Commons, uh, Creative Commons is... Um, kind of an alternative, I guess, to copyright where you can set your own parameters or set a number of parameters in with regard to how your music, or actually anything really, you can, this show can be released under Creative Commons or artwork can be released under Creative Commons. Anyway, you get to decide how that work gets used and you can decide whether someone can use it commercially, non-commercially, uh, if they change it or, or make derivatives, then you have to uh, note where where those changes were made. There are attribution licenses. Anyway, I try to play by the rules always and and uh, use things where I'm able to use them. And on episode, oh gosh, I think it was episode three. Um, I got a couple uh, copyright claims on YouTube. Now, uh, first thing I do when I see things like that is uh, panic <laughs> because copyright is because I, I try to play by the rules and I try to do the right thing. But you know, copyright is a very strange area. And there's something uh, that a lot of people cite called fair use which is still really kind of a gray area because judges have ruled on either side of what is and isn't fair use. So it's still kind of a gray area um, in terms of what you can and can't do with things and how you can use them. And anyway, so long story, slightly shorter. Uh, there, are, there are two things on YouTube. There's a copyright claim and a copyright strike. A copyright strike is the the bad news. That's that's not the good thing. Uh, well, none of them are really good, but copyright strike is much more serious. Uh, the way I understand it and the way it's been explained to me, if you get three copyright strikes, then I don't know if it's an automatic thing, but they can terminate your channel and 
whereas a copyright claim is someone saying, hey, we own the copyright to this and uh, you can you can leave it up. It's not it doesn't affect your channel. It's not a strike against the channel, but you can't monetize the video or the whatever you're doing with it, which is not an issue for me because I don't monetize anything anyway. But uh, still, um, I, I wanted to um, address it. And, and one of the things that I've been thinking about is how music fits into this show. Uh, so what I, what I ended up doing was I looked into a few uh, different licensing services. And there are, I'm sure you've seen some of the music bed is one, uh, th- there are a handful of these out there. And the one I, I was looking at was Artlist, and artlist.io is, uh, the URL. And one of the reasons that I was looking, uh, at them in particular is because they seem to have some of the other services seem to be more geared toward background music for uh, film and video, uh, and and that's great. Uh, Artlist has all of that in spades. I mean, the, the, their uh, their library is phenomenal. But what they also have is uh, pop songs, rock songs, funk, jazz. Uh, I mean, kind of you name it, they've got it. And they had a really great library. So I reached out uh, with uh, uh, Sean's help. Thank you, Sean. Um, had a, he had a contact that I, that I could reach out to. And I reached out and told them who I was and what I kind of wanted to do, what I was trying to, to do, not, not only here, but in the future with some projects that I've kind of been thinking about and asked if there was any opportunity to uh, collaborate or, or uh, to, uh, you know, partner up in some way. And uh, they were very kind and, and reached back out. And long story short, they said yes. And they said, we'd love to. We'd, we'd love to you know, see where this goes. And so uh, for the foreseeable future, and unless it's otherwise noted, uh, all of the music that you will hear in the coming episodes is going to be uh, courtesy of Artlist. Uh, io and what they've done is is pretty incredible you can search by genre you can search by mood you can search by instrument um, there's a ton of stuff out there and it actually made believe it or not it made the show doing you know kind of prepping for this show a little more of a challenge because i'm i've got this massive list oh my oh i want to use this oh wow i could use this i can use this fantastic selection anyway um and and let me let me be clear about I don't like doing ads I've never really wanted to do ads or promotions um, you're never going to hear a stamps.com jingle or, or read here uh, I I only will talk about something or maybe you know approach someone if, if I believe in the product or if it seems like there's something that can come out of it because this is a tool right this in any of these things are tools and if the tool is such that it inspires you to take your work in a different direction, maybe a direction that you couldn't have gone in before, uh, and it's intuitive and and it it kind of piques your your curiosity and your creativity, I'm in. And and I think so far anyway, 
Um, that's exactly what's happened with Artlist. So in the, in the show notes moving forward, you'll see uh, links to the songs that I'm using if there are sound effects that have been used, which aren't going to be in, in any of the normal episodes, but that I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, there'll be links... And if you if you sign up, uh, I, I get a few bucks from it. You get an extra two months on top of uh, whatever you sign up for. So you get another two months free. Um, I think it's going to be a good thing. And, you know, if it's something that you are interested in, if you're a podcaster, if you're a, a, a filmmaker, a, a YouTuber, um, you might find it useful and, and you might see some good stuff in there. So uh, that's a, a good piece of news that I was really excited about. So thank you, Artlist, for welcoming me. And, and I'm very excited to see what we can do. Um, which brings me to the next thing. And that is I want to do some sort of Halloween-y, spooky kind of episode. Uh, and I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. I've reached out to a couple people to see if we can brainstorm and collaborate. I thought about maybe... Uh, reading um, uh, maybe like a, a Poe story or doing like a table read of some sort of spooky thing that might work. Um, I've reached out to people asking, especially people in other countries, asking if there were stories that they were told as children. Are there folk tales that you know that you'd be willing to share? And, you know, maybe have several people kind of chime in and uh, and read some of these things. We can set it to music. We can do some effects. And if you can't be here, maybe you could pre-record it and and uh, we transfer it to me or something or, you know, put it up in uh, in Dropbox and I can cut it into the show. Uh, so my, I'm throwing it out to you. Uh, if you've got ideas, if you've got uh, suggestions of something that you'd like to do, I've got a few things that I'm still working on, but I'm absolutely open to uh, suggestions. I'd love it to be some sort of community or collaborative kind of thing. Um, so that's that. I don't know what it's going to be called yet. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. So, uh, we can talk about it today if you want, when you call in, I'll, I'll open up the phones just a minute. Uh, 202. Oh geez. What's the number again? Um, 539-0209, or you can Skype me at Sidoris. So last week we were talking about, I just kind of want to go through something real quick. Uh, last week we were, we were talking about Eddie Van Halen and his passing and, in, in the week since, I've been reading and, and watching some of the various tributes that are going on around the web, and it's gotten me thinking about uh, music, and specifically musicians. So I want to throw this out there, and if you, if you want to talk about it, feel free to call in. It could, maybe you've got some interesting insights on it that I'm not seeing, or, or we can just kind of go a little deeper. Um, but one, one of the videos that I watched was an interview with Eddie, and I don't remember when it was from. Uh, I, I have the feeling that it was, it was post, you know, post rehab, post haircut. So maybe in the early 2000s, maybe. Um, and uh, I, I think he, didn't he go to rehab? I think he did. I'm not sure, but I, th I, think, I think I remember reading that he did. Anyway, there was uh, an article called The Last Guitar God. And it got me thinking about how how few of how few there are of of those types of musicians at Eddie's level 
now, or at least that we that we know of. There may be a bunch of people out there that just haven't gotten the recognition, but I feel like when I was growing up in the late 60s, early to mid 70s, we were in sort of a golden age of of musical talent, especially rock music, right? You had, you know, drummers like John Bonham and Ginger Baker and Neil Peart and uh, you know, amazing bass players, uh, Chris Squire from Yes, uh, Bootsy Collins, John Paul Jones, Getty Lee, of course, from Rush. And then guitar, there were a ton of really phenomenal guitar players, right? Hendrix, Clapton, uh, Buddy Guy, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Chuck Berry, you know, Mark Knopfler, uh, my personal favorite, Dave Gilmore. And, you know, uh, the list goes on, right? And there were a few people that I knew of and that maybe there were more, but there were a few people that I knew of that could play a ton of different instruments, even though they may have been known for one, in, you know, one instrument, um, John Entwistle, Todd Rundgren, uh, Paul McCartney, who, you know, famously played every instrument on his first solo album. And in, in fact, McCartney may be, he may be the first one, the first one of those people that I was aware of anyway. And so all of this got me thinking about modern music, like in the last 10, 15, even gosh, 20 years and how there doesn't seem to be as many new young, iconic sort of monster musicians and, and, Maybe that's true for other types of art as well. Maybe maybe some of these things are are cyclical. Um, or the other side of it is I could be completely full of shit and I'm just not aware of some of these people. But I, I can't think of too many that are in that kind of realm. I mean, Prince, certainly. Uh, Trent Reznor, PJ Harvey, maybe. She plays a ton of instruments. Um and and one guy that's absolutely blowing my mind consistently is Jacob Collier. Um, if you don't know Jacob, I'll put some stuff in the show notes. He is an absolute monster of a musician and uh, not just in performance, but also in theory and in influence. And, you know, he I, I've never seen him live, but from what I've read and been told, He's sort of the musician's musician where, you know, other Herbie Hancock goes to see him, you know, Quincy Jones goes to see him like that, that kind of thing. And so I thought that might be kind of fun to talk about uh, if there are people out there that, that you know, because I, I certainly love learning about new musicians and new artists. And, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's music or some other genre or discipline. I love learning about it. So maybe I'm just not aware of some of these things. And, uh, and I'd love to become aware of them because I, I, it's all inspiration. It's all sort of input, uh, that, that filters through each one of us and then into our own art. Right. So all of these things are, are kind of good things to, to become aware of and, and kind of sink into. So, uh, why don't I hush for a minute and play a tune and feel free to call in 202-539-0209. This is... This is okay. This is a terrific tune, and it's not the kind of tune I would normally listen to, but I'm so glad I found it and it's taken me off in another direction. Uh, this is Good by Above Envy. Here we go. Yes. 
song sorry about the levels at the beginning you know it's tricky uh getting different to anyway different tunes different levels they're they're recorded at different volumes and i didn't have time to go through and listen to everything to make sure i was at uh at the right spot do you have a a limiter that that like kind of goes everything goes through so it can't go past a certain level uh, you know, y- yes, but it, in this case, it was too quiet. So, hey, uh, on the uh, phone with me right now, here, live, my friend Patrick Shipstead, mm. otherwise known as Patty Whack. What's going on? I've been, trying, I've been trying to get through to win the concert tickets. Did I win? <laughs> you did. You did. You did. Actually, it's, uh, it's a rally more, more than a concert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about a rally, a rally after actually physically running. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing fine. I was uh, hoping that you would call in and and listening to to that that rant because you've got a a pretty deep musical knowledge as well. And, and am I off base? Has has music changed in the last you know twenty thirty years? Do we have the the same number or or a relative number? The same kind of monsters or is there a trend is it cyclical well i i i think uh maybe some of the people you know you've you've referenced are are, are part of 
part of, you know, what you would, might even consider like classic rock or people who have really stood the, the, the test of time. I mean, we, we still have Aerosmith, you know, we still have ACDC, we still have, you know, these, these bands with amazing guitar players that, uh, that are iconic. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, of course, is in a, is in a class by himself, but you mm-hmm. have, I mean, you still have people like Steve Lukather, yeah, and, sure. you know, who's, who has a, a, you know, has, has a radio presence, but then, then there's, of course, the, the, uh, and, and, and there's there's giants in every genre. They just may not be at the forefront. I mean, there may be amazing flamenco guitar players that I have no idea who they are, or right, right. Um, you know, jazz jazz players, or or whatever. I mean, when I when I think of virtuosos, I mean, if, other than Eddie, I mean, you think of Joe Satriani and Steve Vai, mm-hmm. um, Prince of Prince, of course, you know, uh, for me above all, right? Um, and 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 people like Jack Jack White, who's highly, you know. Uh, you know, touted as a, as a, as a great multi-instrumentalist, right, right. so to speak, you know, but, but I, I, when I think about like music today, it's, 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 it's been quite overshadowed, you know, with, I don't want to say like necessarily hardcore EDM, mm-hmm. but, but the personas and the actual, like the people playing instruments has, has, uh, in the newer bands, I think have gone a little to the wayside. I'm, Again, other than the the, the ones with the staying powers that we that we well we grew up with, right. you know, we're a little older, right? But um, but I, you know, I think that I think there was some uh, people kind of got excited when they heard uh, Greta Van, Van Fleet, you know, and they were like, oh, that they somebody's bringing back the old, you know, real rock and roll sound, right? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider them, you know, amazing musicians, um, uh, but in terms of like who's out there as a new band making noise and like, Oh man, this is quite the up and comer They're they, they're out there. I mean, yeah. I, I, uh, there's some I'm, that I'm thinking of right now that I'm, of course I can't remember their names, uh, of amazing guitar players that are out there, but they're not necessarily associated with a band. Right. Some of them right, are right, just right. doing, doing their own instrument, instrumental, uh, tracks and you can find them on YouTube, but, uh, I, no, nobody that I think is like on the tip of anybody's a collective tongue. Right. Like, and, I, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't any talented musicians out there. That's not what I'm saying at all. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Nor am I conflating good or popular, you know, good with popular because th- there's certainly no shortage of popular music, but I'm I'm talking about that that sort of technical brilliance that you know Clapton had that Mark Knopfler has that that mm-hmm. you know those those kinds of people and I think you know um, I, I guess what I'm wondering is where you know where's the 15 year old Kurt Cobain or where's the you know where's the 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 17 year old Eddie that's that's out there doing something that we haven't seen or heard or felt before. That's that, and and maybe it's out there, and I just haven't seen it. I hope that it I is. I think, yeah. I mean, I think there there was shedding right now. I, I I was hearing a few years ago people saying, you know, guitar is coming back, and and I mean, despite you know maybe some of these, uh, you know, Gibson and other people hurting, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a bit. That um, I think I think it is. I think it will come around. I just don't. I just don't think they've uh, they've popped up to the surface yet. I don't really. I don't really 
know exactly where music is right now in terms of popularity. I mean, there's there's so much, uh, you know, R and B and and uh, uh, I want to say R and B and soul, but you know, uh, uh, you know, you think about somebody like, well, who's big? Like, okay, Drake is big, and um, uh, oh shoot, who's that other cat? Um, uh, singular artists, mm. so to speak, where where the, the the singers may be at the forefront and all these producers are in the background and they're not necessarily featured musicians. It's, it's, I think it's more singers uh, with production teams behind them mm-hmm. that I would say are, 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 you know, been hot for the last few years, but yes, it would be great to, to, to see some new talent come up with some great songs that look like they're going to actually have some staying power. So um, you know, it's something to look forward to, but yeah, we, um, we actually saw Greta Van Fleet at, where did we see them? Nine thirty club here in town. And they were good. I, I completely get the, the Zeppelin, you know, mm-hmm. reference comparison. And it was funny. I watched a, an interview with Robert Plant and he was kind of having a chuckle uh, about mm-hmm. them because on, on some tracks, it's painfully obvious that that's what they're going for. And that's fine. Oh, yeah. That's, and, you know, good on they, them. But they've denied, they've denied it, it, it initially and just saying, oh, we were, we're influenced by these other people. And you're like, how, how is this not an absolute, uh, you're just, you're using the template. Right. You know, right. Uh, of it. And, and, and hey, if you got to use a template, it's not a bad one, not a bad one to use. But there's got to be a point where, uh, I mean, we all, are influenced by something, mm-hmm. but then when you, but when you, when you come out of something and you go, well, uh, where's your, where's your own voice? Right. You know, well, and that's um, where somebody like a, a band like the struts, I think really nails it. The, they, you know, yes, there are comparisons with, with, between Luke and Freddie Mercury, but I, I don't think it ends there. And he's not, he's not trying to be Freddie. They're, they're certainly Queen is filtering into their music, but so is Bowie. So is T-Rex. So is, you know, all of these sort of R&B and American uh, uh, blues music in the same way that Zeppelin let those things filter into their music. But then they kind of turned it on their head. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I you know, we went to see them again at 930. Come to think of it. And mm-hmm. we were blown away. And the, 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 the audience that was there, you had people there with kids, with little kids, you know, all the way up to, you know, in 20s, 30s, up to, you know, we certainly were not the oldest people in the audience and rabid fan base. Everybody knew lyrics, mm-hmm. everybody was singing. And one of the things that, that Luke Spiller, if you guys don't know the Struts, go check them out, by the way, they're a phenomenal band. Uh, one of the things that Luke is, is really great at is putting the audience in the palm of his hand and putting the audience where he wants them and getting that audience interaction. So you feel like it's, you're participating, you're, you're, you're there experiencing this thing, not just passively kind of watching it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that, that, uh, um, is, it just elevates the, the the concert going experience, so yeah. And, and any any front man that can that that can really command and, and work the audience is is a uh, is a huge boon to any band versus mm-hmm. 
you know, somebody who just kind of stands up there. It's, uh, you know, obviously, obviously, uh, you know, David Lee Roth was, was somebody like that who, you know, who could just, just, you know, work the stage and, and just get everybody excited about, you know, right to, to the next level. Not yeah. a great singer, but a great presence. Well, uh, oh, well, especially in the in the latter years I, I, I saw them after the after the reuniting and uh, it wasn't the way it was in the beginning he, mm. he just he uh, it was like it was like a lounge singer right. who had done this <laughs> way too many years and he would just kind of like flippantly like Richard like Cheese singing, does like, Van Halen like, like like running with the devil but, yeah. and, you know yeah. and like and like two beats behind where it should have been and and I was like, oh my God, this was... Yeah, he's he's uh, kind of fallen into that that thing that uh, Sinatra did late in his career where it's that, that kind of talk singing where it's, it, yeah. it's just sort of rhythmically talking through the song uh, rather than singing it because you, yeah. just, you just can't do it anymore. And, and, and even just, just ignoring uh, the melodies at some point sometimes too. And uh, um, anyway, not to, not to rabbit hole down that one, but... Yeah. but yeah, yeah. There was a time when he was he was amazing. So yeah, maybe maybe they're out there. Maybe it's just we haven't seen them yet. I would love to see them, and, and arguably, there's never been uh, a better time in in human history to be able to get or easier. Maybe not better, but it's never been easier to get what you create out into the world, right? It's you can oh, record and mix absolutely. and release something with a, a, a very small bit of kit now, as opposed to what you needed 20, 30 years ago. You don't need anybody's permission or or uh, or backing to to get up in the morning, put something on on tape, put it up on the Web and then have anybody in the world listen to it that evening. Right. It's, you know, it requires no, no running around and shopping your tapes to the, you know, to the record companies. And then, it, I mean, yes, if you, if you want to get, you know, money and backing for touring and things like that. And then usually if you, if you do get on a label, then you get put on with a larger artist, you know, that you piggyback on and they, you know, they wind up trying to promote, right. uh, promote you with the larger ar- ar- artist. So, I mean, there, there are benefits to it, but in terms of, as you, you know, just, taking pictures or putting your art out there, anything now, it's like there's a desktop publishing, whether it's music, you know, art, whatever is, you know, as you know, there's, there's no, uh, there's no more walls. Right. Hey, can I dig into your archive for a second and ask you a question about, about just what we're talking about that you Mm -hmm. may or may not have personal experience with when, did you guys have a deal in Martini Ranch? Did you guys have the deal in place already when you were part of the band or were you there prior to a deal and had to be involved in that process of getting the deal? Well, the, well, the, the Martini, Martini Ranch is, is a little bit of a, a complicated thing because in the first album, I was not part of the, of the, of the band per se, mm-hmm. even though I was working behind the scenes and, and, um, uh, but I was, you know, working on the demos and arranging and, and stuff, uh, so were you more of like a hired gun, like a contract player type thing? Not, uh, well, hired means you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of those kind of deals. All right. Oh, All right. No. Um, no, but, but, um, uh, but then with, with, you know, some of those tracks, 
we worked on. Um, you know, they they took it to Seymour Stein at um, at Sire Records, you know, at, which is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, and and then got signed off of that. And um, uh, but they never they never toured because it really, you know, in terms of like what the band was, it was. Um, you know, Bill was Bill Paxton was in there. You know, kind of just for a you know a, a popular face and name. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, you know, if if he didn't play any instruments, he didn't sing. He just you know he he was on a handful of tracks to and and lent his face to the to the project. Right, and um, the video. I mean, that's uh, that yeah, yeah. kind of sold the yeah. video. Yeah, yeah, but it was but it was mostly you know uh, just a few you know behind the scenes musicians. Uh, actually playing playing the parts hmm. and then um and then when it after the first album then they kind of disbanded then it was me and andrew writing for a second album and then that was just us but we didn't uh, it didn't wind up having a you know a second album even though we had some really really good songs and the you know all done and and ready to go but um so what what was but, the thinking in like when the first album came out the first album was being worked on i mean how did you guys see yourselves did you guys see yourselves as kind of a devo as kind of a talking heads or was it was it just kind of a lark project that you know we'll see where it goes what how did you well, look at that project well it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a lark i mean it was it was uh um i mean i think it i think the album was uh just phenomenal and it would hold up against you know anything in it at, in its time i mean it, it, it had a uh, mark mothersbaugh and uh yeah bob Cassiel, you know producing it and uh we, we had cindy cindy wilson at the b52 singing on it and uh um you know just it had a so everybody was taking few, it you know, seriously yeah i mean it, yeah and it, it so it so it had a lot of a lot of nice names you know coming in and doing uh doing some cameos on it mm-hmm. and the songs were just really fun and really, really, really well produced. Uh, um, Greg, Greg Penny, who produced, uh, Katie Lang and, and a handful of other, you know, big names, uh, did most of the production on it. And Bob Casale, Casale, whatever, from Devo, mm-hmm. um, um, worked on one of the tracks that I was arranging. And so, so they, you know, they, they, they had some, that's some good interest in back of it. I don't know why it was, it was never set up to do a tour because in that day, that's how you brought in your base. And right. that was pretty much the only way you good. could. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, and then it just kind of fell up the wayside. Um, I still wound up, um, uh, doing some film, film score stuff with, um, with Andrew on, uh, on some other things. And, uh, you know, so, you know, there was this kind of like low, low, uh, low profile life of our music, you know, me and Andrew's, you know, working together after that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it, and, and he wanted putting out a couple other things, um, but, but nothing, but pretty much just as a solo artist. So did you guys ever get um, pressured from, from Sire or from Warner to do a follow up without everybody else to do a second Martini Ranch record instead of just a duo? No, I wish. Yeah. I wish because that, that, then our then our then you know these uh, you know these six to eight songs that we we have just sitting in that nobody's ever heard would have, would have seen the light of day. And I was I loved those songs, but nobody's hearing them. Nobody's going to hear them. You can, you can't <laughs> so, release anything. You wouldn't release anything. No, 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 no. 
I've, I've, I've had that situation in, 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 a, uh, in a few musical relationships where uh, somebody doesn't want to do something. And uh, if they want to hold it up, they can just hold it up and you go, wow, all that work for nothing. So, right. right. Um, it, it, it can get complicated. Um, and also then, you know, the, we would have had to put together a band with, you know, all new musicians and whatever, because I was pretty much playing all the instruments on, on everything moving forward that we were working on out, you know, for the possible second album. And, you know, obviously that, you know, that wasn't gonna, I'd have, I'd have to pick an instrument and then we'd have to hire uh, all the other players. Right. Um, if, if it was going to go like that. So, um, but it, but it didn't. So, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, no reason lamenting it. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, it's interesting how, how, you know, how all this stuff kind of plays out. Um, yeah. But the, you're right. The first record was terrific. I like to live my life and woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the life that could have been. That's funny. Oh, well, I'm going to see if uh, I can play one more tune and maybe see if anybody wants to call in. So can I, All right. uh, can I let you go? <laughs> I figured that's what you were doing. That's okay. <laughs> Come on. No, you know um, I can't let you go. Have a good rest of the show, I guess. <laughs> oh, nice. Come on. <laughs> No, 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 no. Go, go do your thing, and uh, I will be. Uh, I'll hang up, and I'll. Uh, I, will I mean, listen. I'll be here next week. You can call. You can call next week too, if you want. Can I call you tonight? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you. Later. All right. Have a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Wack. Bye. 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 All right. Uh, let's see. Let's play another tune. Um, yeah, uh, I'll put some links if I can find them, and, and maybe Patrick can point me to where some of the Martini Ranch stuff lives. If you guys have never experienced uh, the music of Martini Ranch, uh, it's it's a it's a fun trip. Um, this is a tune called "On the Way" by Ian Post. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Uh, what's the number? Oh gosh, I got to get better about remembering the number two zero two five three nine zero two zero nine, or you can Skype me at Sidoris. What's on your mind? Give me a call.
Well, that was fun. Uh, that was on the way by in post. You know, uh, I was thinking about the um, uh, the conversation with Patrick and kind of going in in different directions. Um, I've, as some of you may or may not know, I started a big project a few months back where I gave myself kind of an assignment to do uh, 54 paintings or 53 paintings. Actually, I did one extra, but to do 53 paintings by my uh, 53rd birthday and was able to do it. And what I've found on the back of that is that just going through that process has helped to take um, my work in a different direction. Uh, I've started doing a couple larger pieces. I've started doing um, more sort of still politically motivated kind of narrative pieces, but I've decided to, rather than making those narratives fictional, I've decided to try and address some of the things going on in uh, in the world, at least as I perceive them, and let that be the subject matter of of the work. So it's it's got a hint of truth to it, but it's it's still going to be um, in that kind of propaganda uh, vein that some of my other work is in. And I guess how, how that relates to uh, the conversation with Patrick is, you know, as if, if you listen last week, or even if you didn't, I've known Patrick for 20 odd years, and I've seen him sort of be able to pivot and uh, kind of change gears creatively on, on what he happens to be working on. But at the core of it, it's, it's all about the process and expressing himself and, and trying to live a creative life, whatever that means. And I think one of the things that's been difficult for me historically is accepting that I have something to say, accepting that, uh, the work that I produce has value and belongs out in the world. And that, uh, while it may not find a huge audience, that's really not important. The important, most important thing is going through the process of making and being true to yourself and being true to what it is you're trying to say with, with your art, whatever that art may be, whether you're a photographer or whether you're a writer, whether you're a painter, whether you're, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, and it's hard to do. It's really hard to do, especially when some of those avenues of, um, getting your work out there have, have dried up, uh, or, have gone away for a while in light of, of kind of where we're at with COVID and not being able to do a lot of shoots in person. And, you know, if you're a portrait photographer, you're probably having to change your game. If you're a wedding photographer, an event photographer, I would imagine you've got to change your game, uh, relative to what you did eight, nine months ago. Um, it's, it's difficult, but I think if, if you're doing, if you're doing what it is that you are curious about and interested in, you'll find a way to make it work. At least I hope that's the way it is. Um, does anyone out there, this is a good question. Uh, my, my wife just texted me. Uh, yeah. 
let's uh, let's open this up again. If if you've got some stories to share around this, two zero two five three nine zero two zero nine. What are some of the things you guys have been doing to stay creative? I know Andre asked me a couple of weeks ago what I was doing, but uh, I get challenged by it just like you do. I I have a hard time kind of staying in the zone. Uh, fortunately, I've got a lot of blank canvases down in the studio. So I, I have no shortage of, of what to paint on, but, uh, I do sometimes have a shortage of what to paint full stop. So two Oh two five, three, nine, zero two zero nine, or I can, uh, I can play another tune. Um, or I could have my wife call. That would be fun too. I'm going to check the chat here. Uh, let's see. Reminds me of, uh, Smith montages, uh, more output makes less pressure on each piece. Maybe, um, Darren, that's a good question. I don't know that it's less pressure on each piece, but I think for me, it's been not painting for a long time or not being creative that, that starts to atrophy. The ideas are seem to be harder to get to for me. Um, one of the other things I've, I've started to try and be better about is journaling and not journaling like, you know, what I'm doing today, but uh, a, a journal of ideas of things that I want to explore either in paintings or in podcasts or, you know, people that I want to approach and talk to. Um, the challenge for me has always been consistency in whatever I'm doing, whether it's, uh, producing paintings or whether it's producing podcasts. Um, you know, as much as I love working on process driven, for example, and having conversations with people for process driven, uh, it's, it's hard. The follow through is hard. You know, I, I have no problem, uh, for example, I have no problem asking people to be on the show. But when they say yes, and, and to be honest, very few people that I've asked have ever said no, but I fall into this, this thing of when they do say yes, I sometimes drag my feet on following up with them and, and actually scheduling that conversation. And I don't know if it's uh, because I think they're just being nice to me by saying yes, or, you know, they, <laughs> they made a mistake. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but I know that every time, uh, almost every time, um, that's where I end up dropping the ball and a couple days turns into a week, a week turns into a month. And what I, what I'm trying to work through and what I have, I have worked through this with, uh, a couple friends is I've, I've realized that, um, my apprehension could be, uh, interpreted as being hurtful or dismissive or, or, uh, something else on the part of the person that I've asked and, and they said yes. And then if they don't hear from me for a while, uh, they might get upset with me or they might figure, you know, that I'm, you know, flaky or which I guess is entirely true, but I'm trying to be better about it. 
and I'm trying to keep those feelings in check. And be, I think, I think the reality is that I, it comes down to worth. It comes down to self-worth. It comes down to what I think I deserve, which has been more or less at the crux of many of the, you know, sort of existential crises that I've had throughout my life is what, what do I deserve? Do I deserve, it's a, it's a case of imposter syndrome that uh, runs deep and has been running deep for years. Right. Um, and I know most everybody feels that at some point. I mean, I've spoken to photographers, for example, at the top of their game who still go through it and still second guess what they're doing. I've spoken to musicians. I've spoken to, you know, other types of artists, writers who, and it doesn't matter what level I'm going to put myself in there. It doesn't matter what level we are at. Cause I'm at some level. I don't know what level I'm at, but I'm at certainly at some level. It doesn't matter where we are. We still second guess what we're doing. I don't, I don't ever second guess why I'm doing it. But I certainly do second guess what I'm doing. Is it good enough? Do I deserve this? Whatever that even means. Um, and I'm not sure most of the time what that even means, which makes it hard to get past it. It makes it hard to address it. It makes it hard to deal with it if you can't really identify what it is. Does that make sense? I don't know if it does. I hope it does. Um, but I think over the last few years, I've gotten certainly better to a degree. Um, there's still that little voice of resistance in the back of my head going, no, 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 you're just a piece of shit. You don't, you don't need to do this. You don't, you don't deserve this. Um, somebody in the chat asked, uh, without the imposter syndrome, would we get any better or just stay at the same level? That's a great question. Um, I, I would think that we would not get much better. I, I, I believe for me anyway, that I'm always trying to show resistance, that resistance is wrong. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Um, hold on. We got somebody calling in. See who this is. Oh, I know who this is. Hello, dear. Hi. Hi. Can you turn down your radio? I'm going to jump in here. I can. Yeah. Because you're going to jump in here? Are you going to put me in my place and tell me what I'm doing? Well, I'm going to jump in here. Okay. Allow me. Yeah, no, go Um, ahead. This is the lady of the house for people who don't know. Yeah, this is is my wife, Adrienne. So I have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. That I'm gonna I, th- share. I thought you might. So I think Darren's hall, Darren's question is a great one. Yes. Um, and I, and it gets to what I was already thinking about. I think that as with many things, it depends. I think that some people who don't have imposter syndrome may have other motivations mm-hmm. and other things that energize them to keep improving. Whereas I think imposter syndrome for some people, some people without imposter syndrome would have trouble finding or may not be able to find other motivations and other ways to keep and and other reasons and other mechanisms to keep improving. Mm -hmm. So I think imposter syndrome can be, it can be both 
stifling and can suppress growth um, and development, or it might be able to be certain people might be able to channel that right. um, to, to use that to fuel sort of overcoming it or 100%. getting out of their own way. I think so, I've experienced both of those things. And I think you've seen me experience both of those things. I have. I do. Um, <laughs> that, it, <laughs> that actually you don't have to be so to, quick to respond. You could like think about it at least. And, and no, no. I think about these things often. I just now have an opportunity to speak about right. it. Um, but no, it actually reminds me of something that I was, that you were saying earlier that, that got me thinking. Um, you know, I do, I think that one of the benefits of practice or any sort of time committed to a pursuit, be it creative or otherwise, is that I think hopefully one of the things that can come out of that is a better, is, a be, is more self-awareness, a sense of, you know, how to work with the brain you have <laughs> rather than against it. Um, I That's think a tough that, lesson to and, learn, if I'm being honest. I mean, I, I fought against it a lot more than I do now. Right. Well, I think it's, but I think it's true with relationships, mm-hmm. the type of job we might do, where we might live, how we dress. Are we working with or against what we have to work with? And I think for, I mean, it was truly you know, I'll use the word breakthrough. It was truly a breakthrough for you a few months ago to be working on multiple paintings at once. Mm -hmm. And I think that suits you because of how your head works, because of, because you have so much going on at once that I think you having multiple outlets, um, your, your, your whole creative portfolio and world is multidimensional. So it makes sense to me and I think makes more sense to you and certainly to see you be sort of energized about having lots of having your hands in motion in multiple directions that right. works for you. Well, and you've, and you've said multiple times since, since I started that project, how my, just how my being is different on the back mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, it's true. And I, I, um, I was also thinking about when you were talking about it earlier, it reminded me of one of my oldest and dearest friends just published a book and he was talking about it the other day and said that, um, he, the, the, the work that his, his book came out of was partly because of him reflecting and learning, um, how his brain worked Mm. and what he needed to be productive, effective, efficient for the way that his brain works in the world. And I think that, I mean, to your, to the point you've made a a lot, that I think is such a good one about getting stuff out of your head and either onto the page or onto the canvas or into whatever files, you got to get stuff out so that stuff can keep flowing (laughs) so that, so that you can, sort of work through both your process and, and your output. Yeah, I agree. And can keep learning and growing from that if you're, if you're open to doing so. And I think that translates into, um, you know, when that happens for too long of a stretch, 
I, my personality changes. I, I, I have to have somewhere to put all that energy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us do. Yeah. I mean, I certainly notice it in you, but I think that's really common. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that, it's that even, even in a totally different context, you know, it's that thing about if you don't talk about stuff that's going on in your head, eventually that stuff comes out somehow, right. some way. Right. So you either let it come out in, in useful and productive ways or else it will find a way to get out. Right. Um, and I, and it certainly seems like that, that is true um, for creativity for certainly you. And I would guess a lot of people too. And I think you're, you have gotten better at figuring out, what's going to, what's going to work for you. How did Rob do it? Do you know, do you know how he kind of came to terms with how his brain, Rob is, is Adrian's friend who wrote the book, uh, how he came to terms with it? I do know because he, um, one of his sons was, um, was identified as having ADHD Mm -hmm. And as Rob was learning about this and reading about his son's diagnosis, he was like, holy shit, like, that's me, too. Really? Huh. Wow. And it was this real epiphany. Wow. And so as he kept sort of learning about it, and I mean, he's he's had a very successful and interesting career and stuff, but having that additional insight about himself got him thinking about how he works and how he's effective working and... And that basically the coping mechanisms and the strategies that he had developed in order to be more effective in what he does because of how his head works. And so in his business coaching and strategy and all the other stuff, he's he put some of those insights together hmm. um, into this book for people whose brains might also work in that way. Do you get a sense, and I don't know if you've spoken to him about this explicitly, but do you get a sense that his, would he qualify his work as better now on the back of, of knowing kind of how he thinks and how he works? Is, is he changing up process or, or addressing uh, things that maybe he didn't address beforehand to produce better work? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he just really used it to, um, like I said, even though he, he has had, you know, very successful chapters in his, in his, uh, career, but he is all about processes, systems, um, what, where he gets stuck and what he needs to do ahead of time to avoid getting stuck and to keep moving forward. And so, yes, he is, he is actioned (laughs) to use a probably really (laughs) annoying word. He, he has uh, he's put all those all those things into practice, or he has articulated. Oh, I was already doing these things because on some level I knew that if I did these things, it would be useful. Hmm. So I think he was able to sort of think more intentionally about some of those things he had already done and identify additional things um, to help him be more productive. And because he's a coach and things, he's able to to support others and in doing that. Maybe I'll um, read it. Maybe I'll read the book. Cause I, I, I am, as you know, I am not the best person at recognizing when I'm in and out of 
state or, or, or the state that I should be in. It, it takes me there. I'm always, I feel like I'm always playing catch up, you know, like the time has passed for me to stop whatever thing I was doing. And I don't catch myself until it's kind of too late. And I have to, I have to go back and, and sort of clean up some of the damage that I may have done either internally or externally. Yeah, I think, I mean, back to the point about sort of, um, I mean, that is a great example of um, one of those fundamental kind of lessons we all have to learn and keep learning, which is self-awareness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and whether it's around how you work or what clicks for you or what skills or strengths you have or where you need to put some other things in place because there are areas that are harder for you, that, that sort of know thyself thing right. is really I don't know that we that we ever get there, <laughs> or the, but that, but that's always a good thing to come back to. I think is that place of sort of self reflection and an opportunity for learning and growing. Yeah, I mean, I I just I can't stop questioning. I can't stop like I can't stop questioning whether. A or B, you know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm always getting my eyes checked, you know, better, worse, better, worse, better, worse. In every decision I make, I go through whatever the decision is. I go through that sort of internal, you know, myopathy, mental myopathy dozens or more times before I'm able to actually move forward on something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's a piece that's that's hard for you. Mm-hmm. I mean that's sort of the downside with having so many interests and so many choices. I mean, there's all that stuff about how too many choices can. I think it can it can be a challenge. It bring it raises up yes. other challenges having yes. too many choices. I mean, you especially you experience that with me. People. Oh, I do. Don't take me to Noodle King. There's too many choices. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, something else I wanted to say is that I think it would be great for people who listen, who either live or in real time to send you ideas about what they would like you to talk about or questions that they have either for you or other people. Love it. So what's the email address where they can reach you? Talk back at jeffreysedoris.com. Or you can find me on right. Instagram and Twitter at Jeffrey Source. That's actually a really great idea. And it's because, I, I mean, as you know, th- this was probably the hardest show that I've done so far because there was that dead spot where I didn't, I didn't prepare as much as I usually or like to do. I didn't have something ready to go. And I'm, I'm kind of shit at tap dancing. You know, and and just sort of filling the air. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is because I'm not very good at that part of it. And I I want to give myself the opportunity to flex that muscle and get better at it. Um, But I'm sure that if I were to play this back tomorrow, I would cringe at at, you know, a good 20, 30 minutes of it because it just what do you mean? Ugh. You will not. You will not. There's good stuff. It, this is all part of the process. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, you, you, you have one of the, one of the one of the best lessons. If I can, if I can brag on you for a minute, one of the best lessons that I have learned from you is something that you say often, and that is that it all counts. 
And that's a hard one for me to get to. It was a hard one for me to get to because I, I'm, I'm very sort of fastidious about things. I, 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 I have very definite parameters about my work and what qualifies as good and what doesn't qualify as good. And, and that's always a moving target because what is good, right? You've heard me talk about that a thousand times, that, that good is this moving target. And it's moving. We're moving. Our perception is moving. Our, our, you know, everything's moving and you're trying to throw a dart and hit this thing. And, you know, that's difficult. But to go back to, to your lesson, the idea that all of it counts because it's all, it's all pushing you somewhere. It's all pushing you or, or leading you or nudging you or however you need to say it. It's, it's all getting filtered and then sort of spit back out. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you do know. You do know. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's some really interesting kind of comments and observations in the chat too around work styles and, Mm -hmm. and working in short bursts on multiple things. I think that does work great for some people. Um, I think other people need to sort of lock and load and immerse themselves in, you know, deeply in something for a while and yeah, you can lose perspective, but sometimes that can be a real, that immersive experience, I think, can can get you to a new place, and then you can surface a little bit and right. take a breather. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I can't yeah, remember I the last that, thing that I've done like that, the the last super immersive deep dive project that I've done. Because even the, all the paintings, I feel like that was a short burst relative to, you know, some of the other things that I've done. Yeah, I think, and, and, you know, there's all this stuff around what kinds of stuff energizes you. Mm-hmm. Some people get really energized by going deep on a single thing right. for a stretch. Um, and some people need that to then sort of come out and, ref, you know, look at the landscape from where they came out. Right. Um, and, and other people need to, you know, they need to pop their head out frequently right, <laughs> to right. sort of like check where they are. Um yeah, so I think I think that getting a sense of what works for you and what sort of energizes you and, and what helps you, um, you know, is, is probably a valuable thing for kind of any creative and even outside. Um, Especially now, I think that's a useful thing to be coming back to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When when that that that's another hugely dramatic change that you have to sort of react to and pivot around. Yeah. And I think that those kinds of questions or, or, you know, reflect self-reflective processes are, are especially great when sort of the, there, if there feel like, if it feels like there are many things outside of our control, Mm -hmm. if things feel very disorienting um, or very unsteady, you know, it's that, it's that exercise of, of, you know, coming back to, to center and like, what are the, what are the basics? What's, what's the why behind this? I mean, Mm -hmm. you said a minute ago that, you know, you rarely question why, um, you do something that the why is clearer to you. Right. And I think that that is a kind of 
kind of creative anchor um, that you that you can and do come back to. Um, but I think those fundamental things become even more valuable in a context or at, during a time that's feeling otherwise pretty um, chaotic or out of control or with a lot of things that we don't really have as much of a hand in. Right. So. Ah, fielding. Insightful as always. No, your thoughts are good. It's they're good. You know they're good. We we talk about a lot of this, and and you are such a. I think one of the one of the the great things about our dynamic is you are such a strategic thinker, and I am not. <laughs> that. I, I have I think I'm better because I've learned and I've watched what you do and I've tried to to I've tried to do some of the things that you do. I've I, I mean, you've gotten me better about calendaring things and, and you know, setting reminders or or making sure that I know what I need to get done or should get done. And I think that has helped tremendously because I don't I don't just spend the day then going, well, what should I be doing? Because I could talk myself into or out of working on anything, but if I if I say okay for these three hours or two hours or whatever it is, I'm down in the studio painting. Then I've got to come up and edit this this show, whatever that show is. I've got to record, you know, here, there, everywhere. Um, and I think moving forward with the the Calendly integration, where I can even sort of remove that pe- not remove it. That's that's the wrong way to put it, but. I can have this sort of digital assistant with with booking uh, guests for process driven or a day's work where, you know, I talked earlier about where I kind of stumble after I've approached someone to be on the show and then they say yes. And then I don't want to make the ask of their time. That's what it boils down to. And I didn't say that earlier, but I, I don't feel like I deserve to make the ask of their time, which is stupid because they've already said yes. They've already said, yeah, I'd love to do it. Let's do it. What do you want to do? And then I go, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to do this. Right. I would make right. a horrible car salesman. <laughs> <and I, laughs> you don't so, want the so, leather. It's no. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think it's been valuable for you to think on and recognize some of the places where you get stuck and to put systems, processes, and tools in place to help prevent you from getting stuck or to help you getting unstuck. I think so. So that you can, yeah. I mean, I I can literally now, uh, now that this thing, and, and it's just gotten sorted within the last... Well, it got sorted out mostly today, really. But if if I can, if I approach somebody about uh, asking somebody to come on PD and they say, yeah, I'd love to do it. I can now just say, great, go here, pick a day that works for you and it'll show, you know, how, how, where I'm available. They can book it. They'll get the email confer- con, uh, confirmation and I'll follow up saying, okay, you need this, this, and this. And if there's anything, you know, whatever that is, but the mechanics of then making the ask I've, I've removed from me. I've, re- I've, I've almost removed my ability to not ask if that makes sense. Right. 
Yeah, it does. And I don't think that you had talked about Calendly before. So this is a nice opportunity for you oh, to I mention I did. that. Okay, so yeah. You have, well, we're running a little have, bit late. I found this tool. Yeah. No, it's fine. You, and you just explained what you're going to use it for, too. But, you know, another example of, um, of something that you found to improve your process or to right. make your process right. kind of more, uh, more effective. Yeah. And I think that will help dramatically. Uh, that's my hope anyway, because there are, there are, I can think of four or five people off the top of my head right now that I owe a follow-up to. And, and, you know, it's not like Bob with a camera or, you know, you know, Sally with a paintbrush. I mean, these are, these are, you've heard of all of these people. Yes. Capital P people. <laughs> capital P people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, thank you, as always. Right on. We are running long, but see, I finally called, and then and then we get on a roll. So that's, all right. that's what you get. That's that we get what we get, and it's always good stuff. And I'm sure, I'm sure at least a few people are going to write in and go. You should just do a show with Adrian. No, no, no. The callers, the callers are excellent, and I, I am excited to, to have to have more people chiming in on stuff. But people should let you know what they would love to talk about or hear you talk about, or if they have questions. I think that would be fun. Yeah, and and you know, does the time work? Is uh, in choosing five o'clock? I'd like to address this. In choosing five p.m., my thinking was it's not as late as I would want to do it. I, I originally thought about doing this as. Uh, a later show, like a late night show, because it's sort of inspired by um, the shows that I used to listen to, uh, you know, in high school and college, that kind of thing. Um, but in choosing five o'clock Eastern time, uh, I was hoping that that would be a time that uh, would be OK for people in the UK and Europe. It's 10 o'clock, which is a little bit late. But if I go much earlier on, on this end, then uh, it gets earlier on the West Coast of California. People are, you know, right in the middle of their day. So anyway, the, the short version is, does 5 p.m. work for you for this time? Or do you have other suggestions that I can think about? Um, let me know. Uh, talk back at JeffreySidoris.com. Or you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at JeffreySidoris. Oh, uh, so we got one qu Sam question for a future show. How do you feel? How do I feel about collaboration on creative works? Uh, that's a, that's a really great, uh, question. Um, you seem to spark off others conversation. Does that translate to other work for you? That's a great question. And it's a, it, yeah, as Adrian just chimed in, it's a big question. Let's tackle that next time. I will write it down or I will take a screenshot of it there and uh, we'll tackle that next time. Um, so until then, thank you for being here. I know it was a little rough in some spots, but you know, this is part of the process We're we're figuring all this stuff out and uh, I appreciate you being here. I'm, I'm trying to get better at this. It's, it's one, again, as I said earlier, it's one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because I feel like it's a, it's a big challenge for me. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and 
I, I definitely want to keep doing it and I want to build this community. You know, that's, that's pretty much the, the focus of this is building a community where we can talk about some things that, that maybe we can't talk about other places. Maybe you don't feel comfortable, you know, just, just throwing them out there into the ether. And this can be a space where, where we can talk to each other about what we're going through and, and by extension, then the people that hear it, maybe it helps them with the things that they're going through or it inspires them to go look up a photographer or listen to a band or go to a movie or whatever it is that we happen to talk about. Um, so thank you, Patrick, for calling in. If you're still listening, I always love talking to you. And thank you, Adrian. And thanks to everybody in the chat. It was really good. So until next week, thanks for being here. I'll talk to you on the next one.